McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans, and welcome to your forecast, episode 150. Well, slowly and surely, Pompey are starting to sign some players. But is it going to be good enough when the transfer window closes? During the podcast today is breaking news himself, Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? I knew that was going to come up first. I'm not so bad here, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, been, I've had a decent week, uh, work-wise. Social life-wise, birthday on Monday, had everybody round, nice meal, all very nice. And yeah, I hope everybody else is having good weeks themselves. Yeah, and how do you feel about turning 40, Freddie? Are you are you okay with it? Uh, turning 25, uh, I, it's no difference to 24, really, to be honest. Didn't notice any grey hair, thankfully, so that's still I'm still avoiding that. <laughs> I think you should be all right at 25. Not that I can tell. I'm a lot older than you, and I still have not got any grey hair myself. So, Well, you're a lucky man, apparently. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're not like some of our other mates who have lost all their hair and had to shave it off with a wet shaver. Won't mention any names. Carry on with that quickly, Freddie. Uh, called you a bit of breaking news at the start because you decided to troll the whole of Pompey Twitter yesterday by releasing your news of a, a statue after 24 hours later. It, it wasn't intention. It wasn't intentionally a troll. <laughs> I just said, oh, there will be news because that was when the embargo was. And obviously some people thought there was a lot of guessing. Some people thought it was Kit. Some people thought it was... Something infrastructure-wise, some people said striker, and really, with the news, trust me, breaking a story about Pompey signing a striker, I don't, well, I don't think so. <laughs> we don't, we don't trust you at Pompey News now to break break news, Freddie. Let alone uh, for the paper. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, should we chat about the Jimmy Dickinson statue quickly? Just to oh, no, mate. Let's get, get that out there. Get yeah. your promo. Get your, your <laughs> flux in. Front page. <laughs> Basically, Pompey Sports Trust crowdfunding campaign for a life and a quarter size statue of Jimmy Dickinson in the northwest corner of Fram Park outside. The goal for fundraising is £125,000, which sounds like a lot because it is. The PST put in 25k themselves. I haven't looked at the fundraiser already yet. I don't know how much they've raised, but presumably a fair amount. It got mainly positive reaction from what I could see. And yeah, it's commemorating Jimmy Dickinson, the player who played 845 games, Ports of Hero, Ports of Stool, the what you can. There, there, there's not enough praise for Jimmy Dickinson. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a nice thing. And I think the main arguments around it is should the club invest in that? Is it the sort of thing that they should be doing? It's a fan led campaign. I'm not really personally fussed either way. I just give people the news and, they, and then they could make of it what they will. But yeah, I think the, they've liaised with the club. So there's. 
all sorts of goings on with that. But yeah, crowdfunded for Jimmy Dickinson statue. I thought that was a little positive story, really. Yeah, I think it's nice. Should the club pay for it? Probably. Would I rather they put the money into the transfer budget? Definitely. So, you know, if that's 125 grand that goes into buying a new player, then, you know, so be it. But it's a nice gesture and even nicer to hear that Neil Allen's putting in 10 grand, as you said to me earlier on. See? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. All right, let's go on with the actual football news now, Freddie. So, first of all, we're going to talk about the incoming signing of Zach Swanson. Following on from that, we're going to talk about some potential transfers that could be coming in. After that, we're going to do some little bits and bobs to do the news. But finally, we're going to talk about your questions and your responses to our question today, which was, are you happy so far with Pompey's transfer business? And we've got a lot of responses in, so thank you so much for messaging those in. And and that's it for today. There's no games to preview or review, so we're going to keep it tight with me and Freddie and try and get through this today. Zach Swanson, Freddie, signs on a two-year contract from Arsenal with an option for a further year. I'm a little bit annoyed about it. Let's just get it out there. Elephant in the room straight away because I had him down on our, my defenders to watch list. Uh, you, you can try and persuade people that, but we, we don't know. <laughs> I most definitely did. No, he's a good player from what I've heard from Max. But Fred, have you got a little bit to go for? Then I'm going to jump in with some little bits about him as well. Yeah, you, you, you'll know more about Zach Swanson than I did from chatting with your connection in the Arsenal youth team. At first, when I heard about the transfer, I looked at it when it was supposed to be a loan and I thought, right, we're loaning in a player who's played three professional games in the Dutch level at 21. And I thought, yeah. But I think the permanent the permanent aspects of the transfer swayed me to a certain extent. It shows that Danny Cowley rates him properly, that he has a high ceiling. He fits that mould of the sort of player that the club wants, who low low to mid-20s, high potential, who grow with the club, that definitely fits. Cowley was reported in the news from Neil Allen, sort of with his game plan for Swanson. And he, he, he described, Cowley described him as bright, tactically and technically. And, apparently, and he apparently likes the fact that he creates a lot of chances from crosses and is a good passer and receiver. And Swanson, when he was interviewed, basically said as much. He said he likes to get forward, put crosses in the box and wants to develop his all-round game into a complete right-back and modern-day fullback, which works for me. He's going, to put, he's going to push Kieran Freeman for that slot. And if he's, if he's really good at that forward aspect, then he could also fit as a right-wing-back as well, which is definitely something that Cowley likes. But what do you know about Zach Swanson from your chats and your analysis anyway? Interesting because obviously he can play at the right on the right side and the left side, which is obviously good for Cowley's like versatility. But I think the thing that was highlighted the most what he's best at, which stands him out from say other players in the Arsenal U system, was his, was his array of passing. So it's easy to look at his, his sort of flashy dribbling. He can sort of dribble the ball um, at, at pretty high speed, so he can run and dribble the ball at the same speed. Which sounds silly, but we see a lot of players, especially at this level, take the ball slow it down and then have to try and pick up pace for the ball. Um, well, Swanson doesn't do that. I, I asked for a little a little report about him playing um, on the right side of a, of a back three. Obviously, we've, we've lost Hayden Carter, so there's potential we need a right-footed player who could play on that on that side. And one game review said, I saw him play a right centre-back of a back three. He was all over the pitch, winning balls back, setting up counter-attacks, breaking forward himself. He's a good tackler as well. He's got good pace. As I said already, he can dribble at full speed. 
passing is definitely the thing that sets him apart from other players who play in that role. So he's a versatile player, but for me, he's exactly the kind of player that Cowley wants. Someone who will bring the ball out, yeah, and allow us to pass the ball out, draw defend, uh, draw attackers, uh, bring them into him. Um, he can beat people. He's solid defensively. Um, and so far, from looking at that, I'm I'm pretty impressed that it would be a, a good signing. Hence why he was on my list, Freddie. So obviously he's quite versatile, but Freddie, just from your perspective, where would you see him currently as the squad's built, fitting into the Poppy team? Well, I haven't seen him play, so I don't know how much, how, how whereabouts in the pecking order he is. Um, Kieran Freeman at the moment is ahead of him on seniority. Um Last season, he struggled a bit playing at right, right-sided centre-back and at right-wing-back. But when he played traditional right-back full-back, he was good. He was reasonable, um, proper League One level. I think we had to depend on what Cowley wants, really. If he were, he, 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 I think if he's against a side that are looking at sitting deep, he'd prefer Swanson at right-back. But if it's against a, a more domineering side, he might want, might want Freeman. And I think he seems like... Um, we'll see. We'll see both of them um, interchangeably, really. Yeah, and I, I did speak to the guys at the Arsenal Academy. I know about where they sort of see him, and could he play further forward? You know, people have, have talked about online. He can play in midfield, and and, and the response I got back was, I'd rather see him played a bit further back, close to his goal, rather than that sort of attacking, sort of winger, sort of you know formation, which has been. I know people online have said he can play there. I'm sure he can do a job there. But I think his strengths are actually coming from deep, bringing the ball out, passing the ball out, and then using his pace to to break. So is, if anyone's listening to this thinking he's going to be more of a winger in that sense, or people have also said about playing in the centre midfield, he can do. But his strength apparently would be potentially be an issue to get bullied off the ball in League One. A bit like even we saw with Miguel Aziz when he came in and you know had to get used to playing in League One in the centre of midfield. And I think it'd be quite difficult for a player coming out of you know a youth football setup to coming to play in League One if you're playing right in that centre of the park. Mm-hmm. In the back three, I think that would suit him, to be fair. I think, it's that's my, I think that's my main concern with Swanson. It's like with any young player from a Premier League side coming out on loan with a lack of Football League experience, how big is that adjustment period going to be? Because you see some players take to it in a few games, but you see some players don't take to it at all. You see players not, not take to it throughout their a six-month loan spell, say, and then go back again. So that's really my only concern. I think another another thought, really, for right-back, where does this leave Haji Minoga? Do you think he'll be sent out on loan to a League Two side or is the Swanson deal? It just depends really where Cowley sees him fitting in, doesn't it? But yeah, um, does do we move him from Freeman? Does he sell them and, and, and do that? I, I don't think so, but there's a potential. Minoga, does he go out on loan again? I'd like to see him have a Football League loan this season. I'd like to go see, see him go and play a season in League Two rather than playing in non-league. That that's I think that's probably the way forward if we're a little bit heavier on the right hand side, or if you see Swanson maybe filling in on the right hand side of the three who can cover on the right hand side, maybe keeps him around a little bit. But it really depends on the formation, doesn't it? But as far as playing as a central defender and things like that, I think it'd be a lot easier for him to come in as a three with Raggett in the centre, and then with players like Marlon Pack, Joe Morrell, etc., covering him when he does go forward. 
All right. I think we talked about Swanson. We'll do a bit more analysis and hopefully get a guest or so on to talk about him. I know he's a bit more than us as well, but he's not a player that we've seen play. So, you know, that's where we are with that. But let's move on to some sunnier news. And when I say sunnier, I'm talking about Pompey being out in Spain, of course. And it's a bit of a controversial fixture, isn't it? And there's been a little bit of a backlash, I think quite understandably, against Pompey's fixture choice, Freddie, to play Qatar SC. What are your thoughts on Pompey playing Qatar? And what's the response been? Yeah, so Qatar SC, um, they're not related to the national team. They're a side in the top Qatari league in that country. They're owned by Hamad bin Suham Alfani, who is a former government minister, who is the son of... Sheikh Sulham bin Hamad Al-Fani, who, was, who is the granduncle of the current emir of Qatar. So there is a link to the government and to the royal family there. And the only, thing, the only football thing I've noticed about that side is that ex-Bayern Munich midfielder Javi Martinez plays for them. Um, that's the only notable player. There is a, I understand why people are, are frustrated by this. Obviously, the Qatar, Qatar themselves have, from all accounts, an appalling human rights record, especially with the work they do around the World Cup. If you if you want to read a book that explains a lot of that, uh, The Billionaires Club by James Montague, that goes into massive detail about um, uh, the conditions of migrant workers working in the World Cup in Qatar and a lot of the structures in place there in general. So if you want to read more about that, I'd recommend getting a secondhand copy or a primary copy of that. And there is also problems with their their laws uh, on people who are LGBTQ+. Plus. It, 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 they don't have um, a non-Western mindset about that, which can create problems. I think it's fine for the fans. I think there's, I don't really have a problem with anyone travelling out there, I think, you know, supporting the, supporting the club. However, it's a really poor judgment, in my opinion, from the club. Whoever's come up with this idea, give yourself a slap on the wrist because it's just not having the feeling on the current climate in my opinion, on, on out of all the teams in, in the world that you could potentially play against, I know, let's choose a team from a tiny state in the Middle East who's causing huge amounts of controversy across the world because of the World Cup. I think it's a stupid idea. And I think whoever's come up with the idea, whether it's out of desperation because of the fixtures were cancelled, it was, it was mooted about that, or for whatever reason, just get Gibraltar over there and play them. Play another local Spanish team. I'm sure there are lots of teams around I was going to say, how, how hard would it have been to play against a third-tier a third Spanish team? No, not or, hard or at all. A, or a second-tier Spanish team? Or a nearby Spanish team? Anyone. It's a friendly, you know, for fuck's sake. I mean, just literally, uh, it's silly. But I don't want to dwell on this too much, because let's move on to some more current news, Freddie. And it's been talked about Pompey and Derby County being interested in signing striker James Collins. 31 years old, he's got a good track record, scoring goals at this sort of level. Freddie, he's going to be a good addition if we did manage to get him. However, there are quite a lot of doubts that we're going to be able to compete with Derby County. Yeah, there are loads of doubts. Um, we've seen, uh, Poppy fans would have seen James Collins play a fair bit in League One for Luton Town and in the Championship. Excellent goal, a goal-scoring record where Pompey are. Reasonable goal scoring record in the championship as well. Dropped off this season, three goals in 30 matches for Cardiff City. Andy is at 31, so he's going slightly past his prime. Andy also seems to be, without me looking at his analytics in depth, he's a penalty box striker, which we've talked about that before. That can create some issues. But Derby are flexing their financial muscle since the takeover. They signed Conor Hurahan today, literally a few hours ago. 
um, as we're recording this, they, so they've already signed Nathaniel Mendes Lang, who's a name and has been a part of the championship, Joe Wildsmith on a two year deal previously of Sheffield Wednesday, and they signed Thomas Barkhausen, who played uh, for Preston North End and Blackpool, to name a few, as a striker who has scored goals in the championship. They're flexing their financial financial muscle a lot. And from my knowledge, they probably would have signed Marlon Pack if the takeover had happened sooner. I will give a slight thing away, but this won't be that big. Essentially, what Pompey offered in terms of wages, Derby County uh, offered, excuse me, roughly about 80% on top. So you can have a guess about what Pompey have offered him or what Pompey are paying him with potentially a hometown discount. Whatever you think that figure is, add roughly 75% on top. And that's what Derby County had offered him before the takeover. And because the takeover hadn't been confirmed, it was all up in the air. That's probably one of the major reasons they declined it. 30 quid in a mill deal. Exactly. <laughs> so essentially, that, that, that's where Derby County are. They are building a squad to try and get to the championship and they're doing it by signing established players. And if they want to outmuscle Pompey in terms of wages for a player who, like we mentioned earlier, doesn't fit that uh, trying to transfer remit, then they will just go out and buy him. <laughs> it, it'll, be, it'll be that simple, really. Um, Pompey will be outclassed financially. Are Derby not under some sort of rules coming out of administration, like a certain amount of a, like a total wage cap or anything like that? Do you know anything about that, Fred? To be honest, I haven't looked. I'm not sure... I think because I know that the owner has got the stadium, I believe. I think he bought that as well from Mel Morris. He bought together, it has. Yeah. Yes, it has. So I, I'm not sure if there's any financial ramifications for exiting administration. It was similar to Wigan last season. They didn't have much ramifications exiting administration yeah, purely because the owner provided proof of funds and then certainly used them. So, yeah, it looks like Derby will be a contender for promotion next season purely on paper and purely on financial muscle alone without seeing how their team plays. So this sounds like a pretty unlikely scenario that Pompey sign in, but could be a good striker if we do get him through the doors. But Pompey have had a number of trialists sniffing around the club, training with the team. Doesn't seem like we're going to be signing any of them with the exception of the door being left open to wisdom. Have you got some more details on that, please, Fred? Uh, I do, yes. Um, Wisdom impressed mainly with his um, his presence around around the dressing room and in training. Uh, none of the trialists are at the Spanish training camp, according to Neil Allen. Cowley described Wisdom as very experienced and liked his positional play and tactical understanding. The fact that he can play fullback and centre half that's a big one. And he also apparently benefited Monoga, Vincent, and Mingi during training sessions showing them the ropes, being more of a father figure, that type of thing. And Cowley said he was open-minded about where they were. Um, the main thing to mention about Wisdom, he's been out of club since the summer of 2021. I can't remember why. I assume that's because of injuries. So that is something to consider. Another trialist, I forgot to mention this earlier, impressed in one of his friendlies, formerly of Bournemouth. And Pompey, I believe, are keeping more tabs on him than some of the others. The other trialists were Levi Ando, Roman Burrell and Josh Gold. And it and they their trialists, their trials haven't been extended. What are your thoughts on wisdom while I double check the things I have on Sadie? 
look, it's good to have experienced players around. And if you're going to build a team of young players like Swanson, for instance, you're going to need to have some experienced players around them as well. So I do think that is needed to get a little bit of a balance. You don't want to go all 22, 23, 24 year olds, I suppose. But at the same time, his injury record does put a big red flag there for me. And and not only just that, but being, you know, not playing last season. On the upside, you could say that he's got the potential to do something like a Louis Thompson. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Louis Thompson in his position, but you know, you could say that Pompey have maybe more access to him or a player, you know, of his calibre or whatever you want to say it like, because of the fact he's not played for a year and because he had those injury issues. I didn't watch the preseason games, I was away, so I can't really comment on any of the games he played in. However, he's a bit flexible. If he's not going to cross an arm and a leg, maybe it's good depth to have in the squad. And Pompey do need depth. They need players. Let's be honest, Freddie. We're sitting here now today, the 6th of July, and so far we've got two players in. And there's a lot of players that are needed. So I'm open to it. And if Danny Cowley thinks he's going to be, you know, a good person around the dressing room, he's not going to cost an arm and a leg and he's got that experience and potential to be a good player, then I'm not against it at all. Yeah, I think the injury record does worry me too. And we'd have to see how often he plays for essentially whatever he would cost. Um, Cowley refused to comment about Christian Sadie, whether there's a move in the offering for him or whatever the interest is. But apparently, according to, I believe it's Neil Allen. Yep, Neil Allen reported that the news understands that the the interest in Sadie remains. It's up to us to figure out how interested people are. He played in both friendlies, 45 minutes each. Striker from memory, I don't know a lot about him and I wasn't at the friendlies. So I'm not sure how much he impressed, but potential. But he he could fit that... um, that third striker role that we mentioned last time where we want two established strikers and then a striker with a bit of ceiling underneath to uh, learn and get some minutes. Yeah, I do want to get a more established goal scorer to come in as well. I'd be quite disappointed if he turns out to be the flagship striker signing. Although I don't want to write anyone off after last season, Freddie, with George Hurst. Even though his goal scoring record, again, doesn't look very impressive either. But... Yeah, we'll wait and see how that one pans out. It's not really something that's getting me that excited <laughs> in general, but at the same time, I'll keep an open mind. And if, especially if it's that third striker they bring in, then, you know, we need bodies. Get him through the door, get that pen in his hands and get him to get him to sign. So I'll, I'll keep an open mind to that, Freddie, but it's not something that's sort of blurred me out of the water. Freddie, before I get on to the listener question and everyone's tweets so we can get into those rapid fire, have you got anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, there are a few interesting bits from uh, Danny Cowley talking about um, what the Spanish training camp is like and something else. On future transfers, he essentially says that he is hopeful more transfers will follow. He didn't put a, um, a time frame on that. And the key quote that I thought of is, we know exactly what we want. It's obvious where we need players. Well, we know we know as well, strikers mainly, and then other, other positions to fill around. So they are they are apparently doing their due diligence, going through the motions, picking out players. Seems like it sounds like there's a shortlist already, and yeah, we just got to hope that um, some players get over the line. And then apart, aside from that, um, a little comment about the training regime in Spain. Over the weekend, some players were clocking up to 60 kilometres of running. So they're basically going to run them to death over the first few sessions. 
And then Cowley said he wanted to make his players fit in the first two weeks. I'm paraphrasing here. And then moving to more technical training, focusing on agility and explosive power, which really, for me, it sort of cements Cowley's tactical philosophy and he essentially wants to continue that counter-pressing football, which needs agility and players to adapt when there's a quick turnover of possession. So focusing on those two things, I think that's very positive. Yeah, we'll just have to see how it pans out. So we put a question out to you guys and you guys messaged in and we said, how do you think the transfer window is going so far after the second acquisition of the off-season with Zach Swanson? Thanks to everyone who messaged in. It's really appreciated. It makes the show, especially when we're just getting back into the flow of things. This is the first episode we've done after a lovely summer break. Freddie's been sitting around in his deck chair drinking margaritas. So uh, he's just about sobered up for the episode. But <laughs> let's get back into it right now. John English messaged in and he says, focusing only on Pompey, the window is looking decent. Although I would, ra- I would rather have more signings. It's all the other clubs signing left, right and centre and us losing players to, in brackets, small clubs that makes me feel anxious. Who knows? We might sign Desers. Desers. The point of losing teams, uh, losing players to smaller clubs in brackets, even though really, I don't like that terminology that much, uh, referencing Aidan O'Brien. Again, we mentioned that uh, we mentioned that before. We just got to hope that uh, other strikers are on the list and are more of a value proposition than O'Brien than the, than the minutes they were going to give him. We won't know if that's a, if the contract offer, which by all accounts seemed small, if um, Shrewsbury offered him more playing time and comparable wages. Uh, we'll only know if that was a bad call in the beginning of the beginning of the season as the games start coming in. And yeah, watch it, watching other play other clubs out muscle Pompey financially. We've seen that already. Um, we can't lie. We're seeing Derby doing it. We'll probably see Ipswich signing a few players soon. Sheffield Wednesday signing a Heckway and Smith, which I think is mental considering that Rotherham got promoted. Pompey just have to be smart with their recruitment and they can't, if the goal's promotion, they can't afford to be any mistakes really. Christopher Moat messages in and he says, I would have preferred it a bit more business by this point. However, if we're holding out for key targets later on in the window, I'll be happy as long as we get them. Happy with the two signings so far. I think everyone would have preferred a bit more business going on right now. I think Pompey Twitter's dealing with some sort of group sort of anxiety about the fact there's not enough players coming through the door mixed with a little bit of anger on different, you know, sprinkled in there at the same time and just a bit of worry, I suppose, all around that you see other teams, don't you, making these signings and signing great players and you're thinking, get on with it so we can feel happy and reassured that the squad we're going into next season actually is actually is, is going to be good and how it's going to look. And this is all things that passionate football fans want to see. And until then, the unknown can be almost more scary in some ways. But if we bought through a bunch of numpties at this point in the window and me and you were having to look into them, their underlying stats were rubbish and we've seen them play and we thought, really, that's the players we're going to get? That's probably a worse situation to be in. Even when people are just saying, you know, sign some players, don't care who it is, you know, get in from the doors. Now, but you know, both sides of that are legitimate because you, you can't just keep going on not signing any players because at the end of the day, you need a squad to actually put on the field 
and there is a bit of concern. Is it the longer you wait, you know, the better the better the signings get, or does the barrel just sort of get empty and you're sort of scraping at the bottom of that and picking up players who everyone else is sort of passed over on? I'm not too sure. So I think only time will tell once the squad comes together whether that's going to be a positive or you know, always due diligence or missing out on players, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um there will have been players who would have gone and Pompey might have missed out on already. We do, the club doesn't want to be in the same situation as last season where, for example, Pompey didn't have a an out-and-out centre midfielder fit um, and Ogilvy was playing centre midfield. But they also don't want to be in the position where they just see all their targets they're not sure of and just sign them for the sake of it. And then you compare the squads later on and look at what opportunities the club may have had in the transfer window yeah, there's a lot of anxiety at the moment and understandably, especially when comparing it to other clubs. I think the only way to go about that is just ignore a lot of like the transfer news until something concrete happens. That's what I would do as a reader anyway. Um, and yeah, we, just, we will know at the first game of the season where this squad is and then we can make a, make a more reasonable judgment. Cowley's Cows messages in and says, as frustrating as the time it's taking to get the deals done, the quality coming in isn't questionable at all. Question is, would you have a squad brought together early but not have the potential quality if you waited or wait and get the quality but not have the pre-season with them? I think you you, you take the quality all over, Freddie, don't you? It's a long old season and you'd rather have the better players, surely, for the, for the rest of the season, even if it does take a little bit more time to gel. Than, than, a, than a team full of less quality, but they've been together for an extra four weeks? Yeah, you, you take the better player every time because usually better players have better adaptability. They're used to being in those scenarios of elongated transfer windows and when they get going, they adapt quickly. I mean, Aidan O'Brien managed it. Aidan Carter managed it. A lot of players in January managed it who Pompey brought in. So, yeah, I... Again, it goes back to which which of the evils would I prefer? I would rather put some weight and risk losing people to sign the players they actually want rather than taking a scattergunish approach and just signing whoever's available. Do you think it's a case of that, though? Or do you think it's more of a case of us just missing out on targets and actually, like I think some people have pointed out quite rightfully, or quite rightly, that the club said they wanted to get their business done early in this transfer window. And alas, it's the beginning of July and we haven't got it done, which some fans, I feel, points towards, some fans feel it points towards the club just not being able to get those players over the line, not the fact that we're being patient. I think there's definitely a part of that. Um, I mean, the first game of the season is July 30th, away uh, away shift Wednesday. So they haven't got a lot of time and I bet they probably have missed out on targets, presumably down to... um, down to the two main things, money and what role they're given. It, it, it seems to me that they. it would be hard for me to think of a world where they haven't missed out on any targets at all. I think that's unrealistic. But yeah, I, I think it's more of a optimism that they're just being due diligent rather than, rather than like getting concerned and anxious about it. But like I said, we'll know by the first game of the season where this club is. Mike Kimber messes in and says, how are we supposed to comment on something that's only happened twice when there should have been more? Pompey have failed to impress on the field of late and don't seem to be showing any competitive happening so far. 
Too many good players are being signed by smaller clubs. But I do want to pick up on this idea of smaller clubs because the, sometimes the size of the club doesn't always equate to the players they bring in, does it? I mean, you've got to look at Forrest Green, who've managed to get promoted from League Two, for instance, to League One. They romped the league. They did really well. Um, they ran away with it most of the season, only to be caught up a bit later on. Putting up the biggest club in League Two, I think Bradford City would, you know, have a, a few words to say about that. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get the best signings or, or vice versa. No, obviously not. Um, obviously, being Pompey fans, we talk about the status of the club a lot um, because many people believe, and I think quite rightly, that Paul Safari Championship side, historically and structurally, and League One is beneath where the club have traditionally been. So it is easy to look at, in quotation marks, smaller teams, less fancy teams, whatever you, whatever unhelpful phrase you want to use them. You see them making signings, uh, either smarter signings or offering players more money for a bigger role or they're, or they're signing hidden gems that Pompey might not have even thought of. And it is frustrating. <laughs> Absolutely. Um I'm trying to think, though, of some of the players for those clubs who have been bigger misses. Like we said, the Aidan O'Brien signing entirely depends on the strikers that bring in. Um, some of the players I would have liked to have signed have been signed by players who are uh, signed by clubs who are gunning for promotion in this league. I, I, I'm not sure how many players Pompey have missed, missed out to those sorts of teams. No, I think it's fair to say to a certain level there that you would hope that we can compete with the likes of Shrewsbury, who who don't have a, a ton load of money unless it's turned around from last season when we spoke to the guys at the Salop cast. So I do understand the concerns. I do think we should be able to be getting a, a squad together. We should be getting us out of this league where, where we really belong in the championship. However, I sometimes think it can be quite difficult to compare sort of apples and oranges with certain clubs and decide who's a smaller club and therefore the players should want it to, to sign with us because there are a lot of circumstances involved. Not excuse-making, because regardless of that fit, you still need to bring in players which are more quality than those clubs in order to be better than them. But I think somehow, sometimes missing out on a player here and there, as long as you bring in someone else, it's fine. But sometimes we can overanalyze that, especially in, in, the, in the middle of summer, in the depth of summer. But that's what we do. We overanalyze. We're on a podcast, right? Mike meshes in and says... Striking options are concerned. Must be holding out for a great signing. Let's hope so, Mike. Otherwise, the lack of new faces makes no sense. Goals win games. That's trademark Mike, that is. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? We're, we're, we're going to try and stay positive until we get a few more weeks down the line when we still haven't got any strikers through the door. If that happens, then I think you're going to hear the tone of my voice change slightly. And I'm going to go from happy just back from a massive break, Hugh, to breaking stuff and angry Hugh because that's when I'm going to start worrying but although we are quite far down the line there still are some weeks now where we can bring players in and they're still going to have a pre-season with the team so you know at the moment I'm not panicking and I'm hoping Mike's right so let's hope for that one Dave mentions in and he says so far so good at this point of pre-season no fresh injuries key players signed to new deals two new additions in key areas for quality and depth just need those strikers and a few more squad players to make a good, solid squad. I think it's fair to say, Freddie, we didn't really touch on the sort of renewals of contracts. And it, it was good to see the likes of Sean Raggett and Marcus Harness, etc., 
be re-signed, even if it was the option being taken up on those players with a you know with a pay rise, etc. So we could have lost those players, I suppose, and then be looking to replace the likes of Raggett, Harness, etc. Yeah, absolutely. It could have been much worse than it was. I'm not really in the mood to reward the club for re-signing players. They should have re-signed, especially if they've got a contract option. Yeah, I, I would have uh, got yeah. there with my pitchfork. And mm, mm. personally, with uh, with Eric, if that was the after he told us they would not let these players go for free. They didn't. They didn't. But, Which is good. Uh, There's still some uncertainty. I mean... Well, with the players on one-year contracts, what do you do? Do you do you keep them under contracts and then risk losing them for nothing next season, or do you put them back in the transfer market and then try and replace them and rejig the squad? Uh, it's a it, it's a rough one. It's a rough one. Pompey aren't in the safety nets of uh, of a stable squad either. I don't think. No, not at all. And as I say, bare minimum is don't let your players go for free. Like like that has been done season after season. And what I'd call mismanagement of assets, really, from the club when it comes to contract renewals. So I've, I was pretty sceptical that potentially some of those wouldn't get done. Um, but as you say, you can't go stick a medal on someone for doing what we all see as basic sort of contract management. On the question of do you sign or do you sell players like Harness, what I'm hoping that club is doing is seeing what they can get and seeing if their valuation for that player is met if they think they can sell him and use that money to reinvest that money sorry i should specify not pocket it then if they feel that they can bring in a player or two players that improves the squad that's what they should be doing if they don't feel the value is out there and it's you know better to hold on to the player. I hope they do that. So there's not an easy answer without knowing exactly what you could get in return for someone like Marcus Harness, for instance. Reese Williams measures in and says the signings so far have been great, but why are we looking at strikers who are either non-league or have terrible scoring records? Why are we not looking at some of the players without a club or more Premier League youngsters? Freddie, why aren't we looking at good strikers? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very forward question. Why aren't Pompey uh, looking yeah, at strikers? We, 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 yeah, we went through loads. We did, yeah. we did. Yeah, we went through bloody loads. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to last week's episode. It's titled Strikers and Midfielders. And uh, that lays them out. Um, of, of, we'll be sending it on to the club. But why are Pompey not looking at good strikers? I think it's because uh, to a certain extent, many of the good strikers might be out of reach. Some of them who are at Premier League or Championship clubs for loans, those clubs are evaluating them. We knew that about George Hurst anyway. Um, it's the same with Keon Tet at Spurs. They're looking at them for pre-season and thinking, what level do we want to loan this player to? Do they want to loan him in League One again or at a higher level for a different team? That, uh, that That's where the backlog comes from that regard. We don't know how active Pompey are in terms of discussing with other teams who is available for how much. So you can't really, you can't really judge. We, we just have to hope that they're not sitting on their hands in that regard. We hope that the shortlisting process for strikers isn't just who is available. It, it, it should be who fits this side, who is good for this side. And in the, on that transfer episode, we went through many names who we think would fit. Keon Tet, Tyrese Simpson, Colby Bishop just named a few of them just to give you a flavour 
there are options out there, in my opinion. It's just uh, it's just how aggressive Pompey go about it, really. I suppose it just depends on if the club are. You hope they bloody are looking at good strikers, don't you? Then we just don't know about it. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm, as I said, just trying to keep this positivity up for a week or so until I start crumbling, Freddie, and messaging you in capitals asking why we haven't signed anyone. But yeah, they've got to be doing that due diligence. They've got to be looking to sign those players. And I think we're only going to see the club's ambition in a few weeks' time. Matt Hope messages in and he says... When shall we expect the defensive transfer? Uh, when shall we expect the defensive transfer special episode? Matt, I'm sorry, tried to get someone to do it this week, but alas, the guesting did fell through. Me and Freddie will do it next week with potentially someone else if we can, and if not, we'll just do it ourselves. I'm hoping that Pompey already signed a goalkeeper by then, Freddie. Actually, I'm not, do you know what? I'm not hoping because it's going to be off my list, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. Zach, Zach style. You'll, 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 you'll find out. <laughs> you'll find out if it is. Um, or they could they'll keep Alex Bass and they'll sign uh, a, a younger keeper with a higher ceiling. We don't know. I genuinely, I'm not on the sports desk. I genuinely don't know, don't know very much about the club, so I'm just as out of the loop as you guys are. Yeah, we know that from your, your transfer news you broke yesterday about a statue. <laughs> but in all serious, Matt, uh, yeah, we're going to try and do it next week. Um, to the second part of your question, it says, in regards to the current situation, I think they've got two decent signings in so far. However, having no senior strikers still is a little concerning. Hopefully Danny has something up his sleeve. Well, I'm hoping he does too. At least the two signings we've got now are quality, and I approve them. I think they've got a PO forecast tick of approval. Oh, start. I definitely rate the Marlon Pack signing, absolutely. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's key for me. Swanson, I'm unsure about purely because I haven't seen him play and there's not a lot of analytics about him. But he fits that mould. And the majority of Caldi's recruitments has been good. So I haven't mentioned this though, but touching on that, in- encouraging it's on a permanent transfer rather than a, a loan deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that gives me more encouragement. If it was if it was another loan signing, I would just think they were doing it for the sake of it, just as a backup option. But the fact that they've signed him for an undisclosed fee means that they really rate his technical skill set now and what his ceiling could be. Nigel Lawrence messaged in and says, underwhelmed so far. But if it means we have to be patient and wait to get the main striking targets, then so be it. Unfortunately, the big emphasis is if, not convinced. Nigel, that if is definitely out there. I mean, all of us are feeling that if right now. That's that collective anxiety I think Pompey fans have that I was mentioning earlier on. If it doesn't get done, we're all going to be fuming. If it does, we're all going to be elated. And if it's sort of, wait and see, then we'll be like that. Because I think it's going to be a little bit clearer, let's be honest, by the type of player we bring in up front. Because that was an issue last season. Until we went in and got Aidan O'Brien as well, you you only had one really decent striker up front, and that was George Hurst. And he only broke through, really, in 2022, didn't he? Getting 13 of his goals in that time. So... Yeah, that if is definitely is definitely out there. Uh, JC messages in and says, we'll be worried after seeing the quantity and quality of signings by other promotion challengers. But we've seen last year at Ipswich that splashing the cash doesn't always work. Think we may still sign up to three more permanents and then use the five loan spaces. Surprise none have left yet. Are you surprised we haven't sold anyone, Freddie? I think the squad was so thin, wasn't it, at the end of the last season? And with the loans going back as well, who sort of padded out that squad, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm not that surprised at this moment, are you? No, I'm not either. Um, think about it this way, which players would other teams really want? They would consider Raggett too expensive because he just signed his new contract. <clears throat> They'd be looking at Marcus Arnas and Ronan Curtis and that's it. Maybe Joe Morrell, but really, are they, are they going to spend a fee on Joe Morrell when he's only just signed last last season? He's got two more years, isn't he? Like yeah, he's got two more years. Yeah. So really, I'm not surprised that they, they've sold anyone, but I w- but on that same token, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the some of the players were sold later on, and that's based off of nothing. That's just a gut reaction. Do you think you've got to get some players in surely now before letting some go? The opposite to what the club have been telling us: sell players off to buy players in. Uh, well, the problem is if they keep doing that, and if they keep maxing up the loan spots for players, they, you're not building a squad. You're ticking it over effectively. You're not building a long-term philosophy, which doesn't suit what the owners have been saying for a, a long time. Proof in the pudding. We'll see how the squad goes. We've been saying this is a massive summer of intent, so I'm really I'm hoping they put their hand in the pocket and produce some players where we can build a nucleus around, not just for this year, but going forward. And then you can add a bit more in January, a bit more in the summer. That's how you build a really good and solid and a squad that will actually can last, really. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Probably Ryan meshes in and says, I think we've made two solid additions so far. I reckon if we add Wisdom, a goalkeeper and three strikers, we'll be set for a decent season. Well, Bumpy Rye, we spoke about wisdom earlier on. We definitely need a goalkeeper or two if Alex Basket sent out and three strikers. Yep, we agree with that. We covered that earlier on. John Driver probably messes in and he says, threadbare. It is threadbare. No doubt about that. If the season starts started this weekend coming, we'd be in an absolute world of shit, wouldn't we? Definitely threadbare in a few posi- in key positions. There's depth at centre midfield. Yep. There's depth at centre half. In my opinion, mm. fullbacks. Uh, maybe the Swanson signing. There's two. There's two on each side, which is a positive. But no, it's at striker and yes, definitely striker. <laughs> you literally got. You literally can't ignore it. it um, there's always the stereotype of oh, every fan wants free strikers in the summer, but Pompey actually do need that. Yeah, I can see it now. Welcome back, Paul Benson. Let's pad it out. Behave. Glenn messes in and says, we'll have to judge it at the end of the window. We retained more of our attacking players than I expected. And Pack and Zach are exciting. I like that. It's got a good ring to it. If we get a few more signings like that in, we'll be in great shape. I'm optimistic we'll get Hurst back. Darren says, rumour Ipswich are going to buy him. Yeah, I've seen that as well. (laughs) I believe, I think Ipswich are on any player that we, we get, aren't they? They just literally just send one of their scouts following us round. I think that's just that's just how it's which are working mm, at the moment. Mm. Or, or or pretty much any player with the amount of money they're only sposhing about. Sixty-two scouts I've had, just in the domestic leagues. <laughs> one, one in every country in Europe. Mm. I, I think the thing is that I think Premier League squads only went back a couple of days ago. So if they said they were gonna have a long look at Hurst and decide where they want to lay them out to, then that process has only really just begun of evaluation from the Leicester team. So I don't see them going, right, one day, two days in, that's it. Send them back to Pompey. I think you'll find they're going to give him what, a couple of weeks, I'd say, to see how he does. So I don't really expect anything to happen before then on Hurst. Uh, just a message in and says, the continued lack of strikers at Pompey is eroding faith in the leadership. Action urgently required. 
I completely agree. We do need action urgently required. And the lack of strikers is eroding the faith of the leadership. I don't know, eroding. I think the faith has been a little bit in the balance across, you know, Pompey fans generally. I don't know if that's changed. People messaging in with positive, negative, optimistic, negative, you know, general feelings about it. It's a mix of all of them, isn't it? I think it is. But I do think it's quite interesting how the mood always changes up and down depending on what's going on. And I think you get in a top quality striker and that mood changes. And I think fans now just, this is going on a long time. So fans are getting anxious about it, quite rightfully. All right. Thanks to everyone who messaged in. Andy wasn't here with us today, Freddie, because he's still touring Australia. Where's he? You know, it's all right for some, isn't it? He's avoiding all those poisonous creatures somehow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Especially since he's scared of frogs. So I'm surprised he's gone. Is he? I genuinely didn't know that. Yeah, he's scared of frogs. Yeah. Mm. So I'm wondering how he's doing against those camel spiders and other other animals that are out there that can actually kill you rather than English pond frogs. No, I'm sure I'm sure he'll manage it. He's a tough bloke. He's hard. He's got it. He's like the they call it the Shane Warne of Oxford. No, what's his name? Steve Irwin of Oxford. <laughs> He's out there looking at frogs. <laughs> I won't do I won't do the impression. It's gonna be no, too no. awful to publicize. <laughs> Anything more to say before I wrap this up on Andy being scared of frogs? No, I, th- I think we've covered Andy's phobia of frogs and all the news and all the opinions so far on Pompey will we'll, we'll be back again next week I think yeah we'll be back again next week and we'll be doing the defenders and goalkeepers edition and hopefully we haven't signed all of those positions although that would make life a lot easier for me and Freddie but until next time they are Pompey you have been listening to the PO forecast for Pompey News Now available on SoundCloud Spotify and Apple Podcasts Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!